Our second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. This morning I want to just talk a little bit to kids because you're in here and then mostly to adults because they're the ones who really need to hear something. Um, Kids, if I'm talking to you who are out there, I'm sort of picturing you at various spots. The first question I have is, and you don't answer, but you understand what a controversy is. A controversy is when there is disagreement about something. And sometimes the disagreement can be very simple. It can be like you and your friends disagree about what is best. So if you were to have a disagreement with your friends, it might be which is better, PlayStation or Xbox? Is, is Taylor Swift or Katy Perry? Is it SpongeBob or Phineas and Ferb? It's Phineas and Ferb, in case you were wondering. Sometimes it's not a controversy. Sometimes it's more in the way of like, do you like this or this? It's are you for or against something in particular? And so I actually want kids in here to use their hands and help me. I want to know if you are for something. Meaning if you're for something, it means you like it, okay? So don't raise your hand if you don't like what I'm going to say. Do you like, kids, pizza with sausage on it? Raise your hand if you like pizza with sausage on it. Okay, next question. Only raise your hand if you like it, if you're for it. Do you like brushing your teeth? Parents, take note that many of your kids' hands are down. 
Do you like, ready, next one, do you like spinach? About as many, no, a little more actually like spinach than brushing their teeth. (laughs) Okay, last one, do you like Christmas? Great. Nobody doesn't like Christmas, it would seem. I think I said that wrong. But basically, everyone likes Christmas. It's not controversial. It's not one of these division things like, do you like this or that better? It seems that way, at least. And yet, Christmas, at least the first Christmas, was one of the most controversial and divisive things ever. Why was that? It was because of who was born on Christmas. You know, to King Herod... The baby born on Christmas was a threat. He saw Jesus as a threat to his throne. But the magi, the wise men who came from afar, they saw that same baby Jesus as an answer to prophecy, and they wanted to worship him. Constantly throughout his life, from before he was born, even to today, Jesus has been dividing people. And we see that in our story that was read today. A few weeks after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph go to the temple in order to consecrate Jesus. They're going to offer a sacrifice on behalf of their firstborn son. And as they go there to offer the sacrifices, they're met by two people. One of them is named Anna. And here's what we know about Anna. Anna had been married for seven years. And then her husband died. And she lived for the next 84 years as a widow. She's over 100 years old and has spent much of her life near and by the temple worshiping God and praying. And when she sees Jesus, she gives thanks to God and tells everyone, this is the one we've been waiting for. Simeon is the other one that that meets Mary and Joseph there. And he is very similar. Simeon has been waiting for Christ to come. He's filled with the Spirit of God, and God has told him he will not die until he sees the Christ. And that very day, he's led by the Spirit to go to the temple, and when he sees Mary and Joseph, he takes the baby and lifts it up, and he begins to sing a song called the Song of Simeon. I'm going to read it for you, even though we just had it read. He sings this song, which is a word of prophecy. He says, Lord, You are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, I can die now. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. He gives thanks to God that he has finally seen salvation. And then after that, he turns to Mary and Joseph into the baby and he offers a blessing. Now, kids, I need your help as well. What's a blessing? What do you know about a blessing? When do we use blessings? Go ahead, you can just say it. When, when do we use blessings? Before eating, that's right. Before eating, we say a blessing for food sometimes. And when we say a blessing in that way, we mean thanksgiving, usually thanks for food. Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts which we are about to receive, and we give a thanks or blessing. When else might we say a blessing to someone? Before bed, good, that's a good one. How about, how about at you? And what do you say? God bless you. It's a polite thing to do. But in the Bible times, a blessing was a declaration of truth or an affirmation of something true that God has done or was going to do. 
It was not just a polite thing to say. It wasn't just thanksgiving for your food. It was a declaration of truth. Simeon gives a declaration of truth in a blessing. And this is what he says. To marry his mother into the child. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon is declaring truth about Jesus. And the truth about Jesus is that he is divisive. He is controversial. You see a couple of key phrases that jump out. Jesus will cause the fall and rising of many. You know, nobody was indifferent to Jesus. People who met him either embraced him or rejected him. And basically, this is saying those who are in power, those who are proud, those who are on top now, they will be brought low because of Jesus and their response to him. Meanwhile, the humble, the struggling, the needy, they will be not just lifted up and raised up, but the implication is resurrected. Those who are most needy and humble will be raised. And he goes on to say he's a sign that is opposed. That word opposed there means to reject or refuse. In other words, this Jesus who you've just given birth to, Mary, many people will oppose him. Many people are going to reject him and refuse him. And that's what you find. You know, Jesus was opposed by many back then. But the ones who most opposed him were the powerful. King Herod, Pontius Pilate, the religious leaders. Nowadays, I would say, in place of religious leaders and powerful, it's the self-sufficient, the cynical, those who are capable and accomplished and don't need Jesus. What we need in response to Jesus, Simeon is indicating, is a heart that recognizes our need. Kent Hughes, a pastor and writer, put it this way, Christianity began and always begins with a spirit of need and spiritual destitution. God does not come to the self-sufficient. When we see our inadequacy, we are ready for God's grace. You know, that's the challenge of responding to Christmas rightly. Do we see our need? Do we recognize that we are trying to stand on our own or that we can't stand on our own? Do we actually see our need of a savior? And that's where some of the other phrase, the other phrase in here that jumped out to me in this, in this blessing was that Jesus will reveal the hearts of many. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And the question is this, what are we going to do with Jesus and what's really in our heart? What are we relying on? You know, Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God except through him. And everywhere Jesus went, the question was this, either Jesus is your way, your life, your God, or something else is. Something else is at your heart. Everything Jesus does and says questions and challenges and reveals our heart. And when I say heart, what I'm actually talking about is what's most important to you. 
what you value most. You know, as a kid, what I valued most, what I valued most as a kid was sports. I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. A few years later, when I was a teenager, do you know what I valued most, kids? It wasn't sports anymore. It wasn't winning. Any guesses? That's right. I wanted a girlfriend. Can you believe it? I went from sports to that. Crazy. Something is always at the center of our heart, though, isn't it? What is it for you? Are you desperate to be liked? You've got to get good grades. You just want your parents' approval. Whatever is most important, Jesus is always challenging. And it's not just for us. He did it for Mary as well. The, the, the prophecy, the blessing that Simeon spoke was also for Mary. When Simeon said, he will be a sword that will pierce through your own soul. Mary's heart was being challenged. Think about it. She had just had this baby. She had probably many dreams for her child. You know that every parent has goals for their kids. Sometimes it's like, I just want them to behave. Other times it's, we desperately want them to succeed in school or in sports, or we just want them to be happy. But even as parents, we are constantly setting up our own measure of success for our kids. Mary probably had that same sort of thing for Jesus. But what Simeon was saying was, you need to let go of your own vision of success for your kid. You need to die to self and say, with Jesus, your baby boy, thy will be done. Just as every one of us as parents need to do with our kids. Jesus reveals and challenges our heart. What's most important? Who's or what's at the center of your life? Kids? Career success? Financial security? ease of life, if it's not Jesus and you get close to Jesus, he will reveal what's really at the heart of your heart. You know, we don't think about Christmas as something you can be against. When we said it just a minute ago, I said, raise your hand if you're for Christmas. Every kid raised their hand just about. But the reality is Christmas does challenge us. It divides us because of who was born on Christmas Day. And so we have to ask this question of ourselves constantly. How should we respond rightly to Christmas? Not only on Christmas Day, but throughout the year and in our lives. And I guess there's a few people in this passage that point to the right response. One would be Mary. Mary eventually had to give up her treasure, her son, for God's purposes. She stood there as he was crucified 30 years later. And it was probably not her dream and wish for her kid to end up that way. But this was God's intention for her son. So she had to let go and give him over to the father. How do we respond rightly to Christmas? Like Anna. Anna in this story had lost her husband when she was about 20. And she spent the next 84 years wedded, married to God the father. Finding her comfort and her love in him. 
we respond rightly like Simeon, who waited patiently for God's salvation. And then he ends up trusting in a baby. We get this phrase right in the middle of of Simeon's song, this great phrase. For my eyes have seen your salvation. When he says, my eyes have seen your salvation, what are his eyes looking at? He's looking at a baby. And he's saying, this is my salvation. He has not seen the things Jesus will say, the miracles he'll do. He's not seen him crucified and risen. Looking at the baby, he says, this is enough. I just need Jesus, God's gift. He may not fully understand everything that's going to unfold, but he puts his trust in Jesus. Salvation incarnate. And I guess that's sort of the same for us as well. We may not fully understand everything Jesus did, claimed, accomplished, even who he is fully. But to respond rightly, like Simeon, to have that faith that ends up being raised even though you're lowly, is to be able to look on Jesus and say, just that, just Jesus. I'm putting my trust in Jesus as my heart, my center, my salvation. Let's pray. Lord, on Christmas we sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let us receive our King. So many things are king in our hearts. So many things divide us and pull us apart from seeing you as our salvation. Let every one of our hearts prepare for Christ a room. And so let us sing with Simeon that our eyes have seen your salvation in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.